This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. So I'm not going to lie to y'all, I'm a little bit nervous, um, but it's good to be here. Gosh, look at you. Man, there's some faces I don't recognize. So my name's Corey, if I haven't met you. Um, I, w- my wife and I have uh, been out for the last month or so. Um, graciously enough, we were, were gifted uh, a sabbatical, and so um, next week we'll, I'll share more about what God has been doing in our own lives, what he's been teaching us. Um, what he, we also believe he's, he's telling us for this church. Um, so February 10th, next week, I'll share more about that. I'll share just a little bit here in a second, um, but I wanted to make sure that you knew that. Also, speaking of next week, we're shifting back to Keeling Middle School. Anybody else kind of miss Keeling? Like, I, I do a little bit. Maybe it's because it's like your first home, and so it's kind of like, oh, you know, that's our first place. Um, so I kind of miss Keeling a little bit. 10 a.m. next week, Keeling Middle School. And if you're like, oh man, like, where is that? Like I could literally probably hit it with a baseball. Like, so it's just around the corner, the big middle school uh, right there. 10 a.m. Uh, is right 10 a.m. We're still doing that? Sweet. Perfect. Um, I just look to Mike for all decisions nowadays. I'm like, dude, just tell me what to do with my life. I don't really know. Um, so, so 10 a.m. is perfect. Stephanie knows how true that is. It's like, I, can, I can't handle this. Um, let me just tell you, so there's a great chance I may just like detour on all kind of tangents tonight, and that's okay. I'm all right with that. Let me just tell you to get you a friend like Mike, okay? So I know that you're like, okay, this is dumb, but I'm going to start crying. Holy smokes. Let me hold on. Let me pull this together. Get you a friend that when you're like, I can't handle life anymore, you can just kind of lean on someone else to handle life for you. I'm good. I'm good. I got this. It's okay, man. Like, get rid of that stuff. Gosh. Just get you a friend that when it's like, I can't do life anymore, you can just kind of lean on that person and they'll kind of do life for you. Um, And that's who Mike is. And he has been that for me for years. And um, if one day God ever tells you to plant a church, you cannot plant a church alone. That is stupid. No. Um, Praise God that, that um, the first time I told you, I'm going to be all over the place. So the first time we were going to plant a church was like five years ago. We thought we were going to move to Austin five years ago, if you didn't know that. Um, and so we were like getting ready. We sit, I sit down with Mike. I take him to Chipotle. I buy him lunch. And I'm like, hey, man, we're going to plant a church. What do you think? He's like, no, we're out. So, oh, for real? Never saw one coming. Um, and so now, next time around, he's like, okay, we're in. And then he tells people, like, we've always known we were going to plant a church at the Johnson's. I'm like, false. No, you didn't. You told me no the first time. I was there. Oh, okay, whatever, whatever. Anyways, I have totally derailed. Um, so my apologies. Um, so yeah, a couple of things about the sabbatical. Next week, I will tell you, we'll talk more. We're still trying to figure it all out, process what has the Lord been teaching you. Sometimes you're just in the middle of things and you know the Lord's doing something and it just takes time to really understand it. Um, and that's okay. Don't be afraid of that. Um, I've had to realize that I have control tendencies. Like I want to have everything put together just right. And God's like, you see, you can't really figure everything out right now. Just trust me and keep walking. Um, but sometimes that next step is really tough. And, and so uh, I'm just encourage you, keep walking. He's good for it. The Lord is good. Uh, that is one thing for sure that um, in the lowest of lows, uh, he, he's there and he's good. And, and you may not feel it and you may not see it and you may not even fully believe it, but he's good. He's good for his word. He's good to us. Um, 
I do want to say thank you. Like, I, I, nowhere in church planning 101 are they like, okay, here's how you plan a church. Like, get started and then get to a place where you have to take a month off because you're about to break down. Like, that's never written in the church planning books, ever. Um, so I'm going to write a new one one day. You'd be like, here's how you plan a church. Just completely crash. It's perfect. Um, and so I, I just thank you. Thank you for being faithful. Um, one thing we've always want, said is that we don't ever want this to be a church that's built around one person or two people or even a few. The church is a family. Everybody plays a part. It's not my church. It's not Mike's church. It's, it's, it is our church. And so we all link arms and together build each other up. Ephesians 4 says that it's, we all have unique gifts, and only when every person is using the gift that God gives them, then is the church built up in love. And so we've always said, like, we don't want to be a church like that. You've all seen churches like that, right? And we're like, we don't want to be that. And, and so one thing that I do think God is doing in this is like, okay, you're not going to be that church. Um, they're going to be just fine without you. Um, and so that is incredible. And so thank you for being that church and for being faithful and for allowing us the, the opportunity to, to slow down and take a breath. Um, you know, Mike's told y'all it was just a season, a strong season of rest and recovery for us. And uh, so I've had multiple people that I've run into or we, we've seen here or there. And like, how was it? You know, was it restful? And I'll say, yes, it was restful. Um, but it was a lot like post-op rest where you, you have surgery and the doctor's like, hey, you need to go home and rest. And, and so you go home and rest, but if you've ever had surgery, that rest is still not very comfortable rest. It's kind of like, okay, this is slightly miserable. Um, but if you don't rest, then you're never going to get to that place of health and strength. And, and so that's really what it, it was for us. We just, for both Stephanie and I, um, we just hit a spot where if we didn't slow down, we wouldn't make it. Like we wouldn't be here probably in six months. Um, and so for our own health and for the, the long haul of this church, because we believe that God has um, us and this church here for years, for, for the long run. Um, but if we didn't take a second and slow down and, and, and kind of see that God's got this without us, it wasn't going to go well for us. And so, yes, we rested um, and, and we've recovered, but it's not done. Like, we're still resting and still recovering. We're still allowing the Lord to, to work in us and to, um, to give us new life, so to say. Uh, and so uh, I look forward to, to telling you more, telling you more about this next week and just kind of more of the specific things uh, that we believe God's been teaching us in that. But um, that's enough for now. So Philippians chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do have your Bibles, um, go ahead and, and turn to them. Uh, we, we have some Bibles in the back. If you don't own one, I'd love for you to grab one, take it home with you. Uh, I cannot, it's not just going to be an encouragement. Um, if you want to be a Christian, you cannot survive without this. Like, you just can't. And, and so it, it's not even just a, hey, like, let me encourage you to read your Bible. I'm, it, it's, it's like saying, hey, be a human and don't breathe. That's not going to work. And so if we want to follow Christ, these are the very words of God. They're living and they're active, and we've got to be in them. Like, just black and white. There's no gray there. And so um, Philippians chapter 3 is where we are going to be. Uh, I want to take a second and pray. Uh, I'd love for you to pray with me. Um, I think one thing that God has just been uh, revealing to me is my absolute need and dependence for him. I I'm just, I'm a mess. 
And on my own, I will never um, accomplish much. And so uh, I think a lot of times it's really easy uh, for me to just, I don't know, trust my prep or trust my own strength and not just let the Spirit of God do His work. And so I just want to ask um, for, the, for the Spirit of the living God to come and to speak to us. Because if you hear me speak, then you just hear some guy who doesn't have a whole lot to say. But if you hear the Word of God speak to you and the Spirit of God speak to you, man, that'll change your life. And so that's what I want to pray and ask God for him to do as we get in Philippians chapter 3. So um, would you pray with me for that? God, I, am, uh, I think about that prayer that Vince read for us, and even in my best moments, on my best days, I am wickedly sinful. And yet, Jesus, you come in love for me. That's incredible. That's just incredible. God, in my, in my greatest strength, in my, in my best um, skills and assets, I just fall incredibly short of you, the God who created the world out of nothing. Like, like, how foolish am I to think that, that I can accomplish things on my own? So God, we do not want to be a church that is built on our own strengths or our good morals or our efforts to be good Christians, good church folk. God, we want to see you. I want... Our, I want to be changed by you, God, by your presence and your power in my life. Spirit of the living God, will you please come and move in us and change our lives? There's still so much more for us to have in you. And so speak to us through your word. It is living and it is active. Open our ears to hear your voice. In the name of Jesus, we ask you, please, amen. All right, so I wasn't here at the start of the year, so I'm going to go ahead and ask this now. Um, any goal setters, like New Year's resolution, you're like listing out your, your goals for the year? Anybody? Sweet, like three, four of us. Okay, so studies show that you're 69% more likely to be successful if you put a goal down. Wild. So we'll just chill here. Um, so if you don't write goals, that's fine. That's fine, but 69% um, chance says you're going to do better if you do. Um, I don't have any goals this year, just saying. So it's not like I'm saying I have any right now, but uh, that's just what they say. And so 2019, maybe now is the chance. What do you want for 2019? Just think about it for a second. Write it down if you want. Pull out your, little, your notes on your phone. Um, what do you want for 2019? What do you hope to be true in your life? What are some of your goals? Five years from now, think about that. Where do you want to be? I asked Stephanie this, this question um, at a pizza joint. Went to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, anybody ever been to Hot Springs, Arkansas? Yeah, it's a, it's a sweet little spot. It's kind of quirky. Um, we, didn't, we weren't quite expecting, like, the hot... This is so dumb. The hot springs are actually hot, you know? And so they, you can get fresh water from the hot springs, so we fill up our water bottle, and then we take a drink, and it's hot. Like, we weren't ready for it to be hot water. Totally threw us off. Um, but I told you I'm going to be all over the place. So we're sitting there, and I ask her this question. 20 years from now, a party is thrown celebrating you. What do you want people to say about you? Like, what are you hoping that in 20 years, people are going to be like, man, this is Alexis, and this is who she is? 
right? Like, this is, this is Grant, and this is who he is. Like, this is the man that Grant is. Who do, what do you want people to say about you in 20 years? Your accomplishments or, like, what are those things that people are just going to rattle off about you? I, I think it's good to think about. I think it's good to have some, some goals and some objectives that we want to be true of our life because if we don't actually have an aim that we're running for, then we're just going to run aimlessly and we're never actually going to get to anything that we want to accomplish or see in our lives. And so I think it's good to have goals, but at the same time, I think it's really easy for us to put our confidence in those goals to put our identity and our hope in those goals, right? So if I have a goal of, of having a family and I put my confidence and my hope in that, well, what happens if I don't ever have a family? My, my world can just crash, right? Or what happens if I have a family, but then it falls apart? Well, then what? So if, I, if my confidence and my hope is in being successful in my career, and, and let's say we're taking off, and let's just say you're all going to take off, right? Like you're all going to be doing well in your career, but what if you get in a car accident and something happens and you have some, some brain, some, some damage to your brain, and now you can no longer do the job anymore? Well, now what? Who are you? Have you lost your, your identity? Have you lost who you are? So I think it's, it's good to have these goals but I think it can also be dangerous if we're putting our hope and our confidence in those goals to be our satisfaction and joy in life. I've never believed more in my life the mission that God has given us, leading people to life in Jesus. Not leading people to life in their careers, not leading people to life in happiness, not leading people to life in their, their relationships, leading people to life in Jesus. Because if you take out Jesus and you put anything else there, it will let you down. The day will come when the bottom will crash out. And if your foundation is on anything other than Jesus, you're going to crumble. Life can only be found in Jesus. Yeah, other things are good and they can be celebrated, but they cannot be our identity and our hope and our confidence. It has to be in Christ alone. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul makes that point. So I just want to read through 12 through 11, or 2 through 11. So he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So just real quick, what he's saying there is, Paul is saying there's people who put their confidence in, in the flesh, in things of this world. Put their confidence, especially in their standing with God, in things of this world. So they're religious people or, or, or they've, they've done the right acts or they've given you know, enough things away or whatever it is. They put their confidence in the flesh. And Paul's just saying, hey, look out for them. Be careful for them. Keep your eye on people who, who trust in something of this world. Paul says, put no confidence in the flesh. And he goes on, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. I mean, that's a bold claim right there. Blameless. Paul just starts listing out his, 
his accomplishments, his resume, so to say. He's like, man, if anybody has reason to be confident in themselves, it's me. Like, he, he just pulls out his legs. He's like, I was born in the church. Like, mom gave birth to me in worship service. The preacher was preaching. I was born, and then boom, I just kept going. Never missed Sunday school. He's like, you want to you drill me? Quote me, Deuteronomy, give me a verse. I'll quote it. He's got the whole first five books of the Bible memorized. He's like, I'm blameless when it comes to being a good person. You take what the Bible says to do and don't do, and I've nailed it. And so Paul's like, man, if, I, if there's anybody who can be confident in themselves, it's me. And if there's anybody who can stand before the Lord and say, hey, I'm a pretty good person. Like, I've done good stuff. I can be confident in myself. Paul's like, it's me. I've got the list here. I've got the resume. And so often, that's where we put our confidence to. Right? Like, we think that we can stand before the Lord and say, God, I went to church. I read my Bible. I didn't do those things that other people did. I did do the things that the, that the Bible told me to do. I prayed. I did all these things. And Jesus says in Matthew 7 that many people are going to stand before God and give the list of what they did. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because their confidence and their hope was in their list of accomplishments, their list of strengths, their list of assets. So I just want to ask you, what's your confidence in? Where's your hope? What's it in today? And, and no, no one has to answer out loud, so it's okay to be honest. What do you tend to trust in that if it was taken away from you, you're not sure you'd make it? What's your confidence in? Paul says, don't put any confidence in the flesh. Because one day it will be taken away from you. And most likely sooner than you think. And then he makes this transitional statement here. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had. So this full resume, this full list of accomplishments, everything that, that is in the, in the plus column. Whatever gain I had, I move it to the, to the loss column. I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul takes this full list of accomplishments, his full positive plus list of assets, and he's like, man, all of this compared to knowing Jesus is a complete waste. They're not bad things, right? Our goals are not necessarily bad things. The, these things that Paul listed in the previous, they're not necessarily bad things, but when you compare them to having Jesus, you can gain the whole world, but if you miss Jesus, you lose it all. We, we miss it all. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus is greater than everything else we can chase after. So here's what I know right now. You, you read this verse that Jesus is of, of surpassing worth, of knowing Christ is of surpassing worth than everything else. And, and one of three things. One, you, you either just don't believe it, like you, you just don't buy it, and that's okay. Like I love that you're here. This is a place for you to come in and say, man, I don't buy this stuff. 
Come on, come, come read with us. Come explore, come ask questions. So that could be where you are today. Or you could read this and you could say, man, I believe this. But if you took an honest look at how you lived, your life would say otherwise. You could say that Jesus is of surpassing worth to everything else, but then if, if you took an honest look at what your life demonstrated, your life would say, I think perhaps your grades are of surpassing worth. I think perhaps your relationship is of surpassing worth. Or, or your, your future job is of surpassing worth. And let's, let's just be honest here. That's all of us at some time, all right? Like, let's, no one's, that's all of us at some time, probably a lot of times, okay? Or, or then there's the third column, and you hear this, and you believe it, and you're like, I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm, I want this. I want to know Jesus over everything else. So wherever you are, let me encourage you first, be honest. Man, we can't really move forward if we're not honest. We're just kidding ourselves. Be honest. And no matter where you are, the next step for every single one of us is faith. It's a step of faith. Of either trusting Jesus for the first time or trusting that he is better than whatever it is we hold on tightly to or continuing to trust him that he's good for it, that he's faithful, that he's worth it. So Paul here, he, he then says what he's going to do with this reality that Jesus is of greater value. In verse 12, read 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of Christ Jesus. Let's keep reading real quick. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. So Paul says, if we want to be mature in Christ, this is the way we are to think about it. We are to press on after Jesus. We're to press on to make him our own. Now, I love how he starts this in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect. So Paul is saying that he's not there yet. Right? Like there's this goal of knowing Christ, of having Christ, of like being intimately close with Christ. And he says, I'm not there yet. Like I've got room to grow. I've got room to keep moving. And so there's two things that I love about this. One, Paul tells us it's okay to not be okay. Right? Like it's okay for us to drop all of our, all of our facades and our pretenses and our religious actions. Like, man, we got this. We're really close with Jesus. If we're not, that's okay. Let's just own it. Let's just be okay with saying, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm a work in progress. I'm still moving because the reality is we all are. So I think it's okay for us to, to, to not have to compare and be like, man, I will, if only when I get over here can I then tell people where, where I really am. No, let's be honest with where we are. Let's just be real with each other. Because when we just fake it with one another, we're not helping anybody. Most of all ourselves it's okay to not be okay. And Paul, he wasn't there. The guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament of the Bible is like, man, I got room to go. Shoot, I'm not there yet. I got some stuff to learn still. It's okay. It's okay. I think I could say that for the rest of the time. 
Because we are a stubborn, self-sufficient, prideful people. And we don't want nobody to know our junk. It's okay. It's okay to not be okay. But we sure as heck are not going to stay there. We're not going to stay there. For the glory of God and the good of our lives, we're not going to stay there. Paul wasn't there. He had room to go. The second thing I love about this is you're never going to max out what you can know of Jesus. Like you're never going to hit the ceiling. And so I don't care how mature you think you are in Christ today, you've barely begun. There's so much more to have in Jesus. Let's not settle for less than what Jesus came to give us. Let's not settle for less than what he came to give us. Paul is like, man, there's more to be had in Jesus, and I'm going to bet Paul's a few steps ahead of us. I mean, maybe some of you are pretty close to Paul. I'm not, but I'm just going to say, like, Paul's a few steps ahead of us, and if Paul still has room to go for Jesus, then we have so much more room to grow in knowing Jesus. We're never going to max out on the abundant life that is found in Jesus Christ, ever. So let's just keep chasing. Let's just keep going. Paul's like, I'm not there yet. There's more to be had in knowing Christ. There's more of surpassing worth of knowing Christ. There's more joy. There's more satisfaction. There's more peace. There's more comfort. There's more of all of that to know Jesus. And so here's what he does. He presses on to make Jesus his own. I had to to study this in Greek in seminary, and that word press on has always stuck out to me. It's the Greek word dioko. And I think we have, yeah, perfect. So it means to press on, to seek after. I love this word, to relentlessly pursue. To relentlessly pursue, to run after or towards. So it's this, it was oftentimes used in sports, right? So as, a, as an athlete, you've got your eye on something and you're, you're, you're chasing after it and everything else is just kind of like, whatever, I don't care. Like I'm focused and I'm locked in. So in, in high school, I was a swimmer um, and I, my senior year, I had this goal. I wanted, like there was a, 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 the record for the 100-yard freestyle that I wanted to break. And so it was my goal. And as anybody who knows, man, practice is not always that fun, right? And so there's a lot of times I was like, gosh, man, I'd really just like to go get some donuts right now and skip practice. Um, but because I've got this goal in mind, like I'm willing to press on through the uncomfortableness of practice. I mean, there's times I remember, and, and if you've ever done sports, or really if you've ever done anything that you have to learn or grow in, like there comes a point where you're like, this just kind of sucks. Like my body hurts, or my brain has hit this point where I don't think I can go any further, or, or my fingers are cramping up, and I just, like, I kind of want to quit right now. But you have this goal in mind that pushes you past the pain and the uncomfortableness and, and, and the, the challenge and because and, you're locked into that goal and that's all you want. And so that's what Paul is saying is the, the word press on is to have a single focus. Like, I don't see anything else. Nothing else matters. I'm locked into this. Don't talk to me. Don't bother me. I'm focused. I don't need to check my Instagram. I'm locked in here. I don't need to go follow up with that. I'm locked in here. I don't need to get caught up in that nonsense. I'm locked in here pressing on after Jesus. Everything else fades away. That's what Paul says he does. He presses on. 
And he gives two kind of descriptors in verse 13 of what that looks like. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Let's talk about that first one for a second. Forgetting what lies behind. That's a tough one. I think the number one thing, man, I don't know. I think perhaps the number one thing that, that holds us back from running after Jesus ahead is that we're stuck in the past. Maybe we're stuck in the past successes of life. We're, we're all Uncle Rico, right? Like we're just celebrating our 50-yard Hail Mary that won the touchdown, you know, won the game in high school. And we're like, man, if only the coach would, you know, put me in. We're like, dude, live in the moment, bro. Like that's done. You know, so maybe we're, we're stuck on our successes and we just want to celebrate like the good old days. I'm like, what about today? You know, I think more often than not, though, it's not the successes that hold us back. I think it's our failures. There is no weight and chain like the chain of shame and guilt. Holy smokes. We're trying to run free, but we're just locked into what happened. We can't get over this, this hurt and this wound and this disappointment in life. We can't seem to break free from this crap that's holding us back. And Jesus is like, come on. We were like, but, but I did that. And Jesus is like, come on. And I think it just holds us down and beats us up over and over and over and over again. Man, I, I, was, I was watching this sermon uh, from Passion Conference 2019, Matt Chandler did, and he was preaching from John chapter 4. And so it's where Jesus interacts with the woman at the well. And so if you've read this story, Jesus shows up around noon, and, and this woman comes up, and she should have never been getting water at noon. That's not when you get water. It's hot. You go in the morning. And so everybody would go in the morning to get water, but here she comes by herself getting water. And Jesus is like, hey, if you would have asked me for water, I would have given you living water. Like you would have found water that would leave you never thirsting again. So Jesus is talking about life, right? Like eternal life in Jesus. And, and, and this woman's like, okay, like I want that. And, and so if you've ever shared your faith, like that's the point where you're thinking, yes, like we get, to, we get to do this, you know? But Jesus then follows up with a total left turn. He's like, okay, cool, go get your husband. And she's like, well, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five and the man you're with now is not your husband. You see, she was hiding from the shame of her broken relationships. She was at the water well at noon because the, the women who went in the morning, she was embarrassed in front of. She didn't, she didn't want to be seen. And Jesus, he's not being cruel. He's not trying to point out her shame. He's simply saying, bring your hurt to me because you'll never have life until you let me heal your hurts. Bring your mess to me. That, that we know the grace and tender, unconditional love of Jesus when we show up with our messiness. And he says, come on. Come on. The grace of God is so much brighter and so much sweeter when we know that Jesus saw our sins and he came anyways. 
We're never going to be running the race before us if we're holding on to the hurts from our past. And Jesus says, man, come on. You can let that go. I died to take that away. I know sometimes that's easier said than done. But it's the invitation that Jesus gives us. We don't have to dwell on the past. It says in Hebrews 12 that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The shame that Satan wants us to live in from our past, Jesus paid for in full on the cross. We don't have to keep writing a check for it. He already paid for it. I don't care what yesterday looked like for you. Today's a new day. And in Jesus, we can be free and we can walk forward. We've got to forget what lies behind us. Don't let it hold us back. Today's a new day and there's a new future in knowing Christ. The next thing it says is straining forward to what lies ahead. Straining forward. If you've ever seen a, a runner you know, kind of the finish line photo. I mean, you, you just see every, like they've got like 30 more muscles in their legs than I think my leg even has. Like, I didn't even know that existed, right? Like what happened there? You know, but you see every muscle as they're straining forward. But to strain, to, to, to tense those muscles, man, that's not, that's not easy. Like I guarantee you when I'm just sitting down watching TV, my leg muscles aren't flaring up. There's nothing, it's easy. But when you're straining forward, it's hard. It's tough. Man, following Jesus, I'm going to tell you now, is not easy. If you, if you want to follow Christ and you're thinking that that's the way to like be, be rich and healthy and you know, have everything you want, then, then you're, that's not in the Bible. It will be tough. Jesus was persecuted. We're going to be persecuted. Jesus suffered. We're going to suffer. But when we suffer, that's how we also know Jesus more, and that's where life is. And so we forget what lies behind, and we commit to straining forward. Listen, pressing on after Jesus is a choice that you make. It's a choice that we make. We are all pressing on after something. Right now, today, in this moment in your life, we are all pressing on after something. I don't know what it is for you, could be happiness, success, boyfriend, girlfriend, family, I don't know. Pressing on after Jesus is a choice. And we say, man, nothing else matters compared to Jesus. I'm going to forget what's behind. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus ahead of me, and I'm going to run the race that Jesus has given me to run. That's a choice. We have to fight it. And there's an active enemy who will do everything in his power to keep you from running that race. We've got to fight forward. And it's worth it. Paul says, I press on. So I just, I don't need, Mike, how am I doing on time, man? I'm sorry. I, uh, wrap, wrap it up. That got the, let's go. Um, okay, so... I just want to finish with this because this is the game changer. I press on to make it my own. I forget what lies behind. I strain forward to what lies ahead. The second half of verse 12, or the end of verse 12, why? Why do we, why? Why, why Jesus? Right, like why? 
Why am I going to suffer like him? Why am I going to follow in his footsteps like him? Why am I going to die to myself and lay everything aside to follow after Jesus? Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on after Jesus because he first pressed on after me. I press on to make him my own because he first pressed on to make me his own. Because Jesus loved me first. That's why I love him. Yo, this changes everything, everything. It's to know the gospel. If we're not pressing on after Jesus, it's because we're not fully understanding that Christ has pressed on after us. We press on after him because he pressed on after us. And let's just talk just for a second. Eric, you can come up because I know that, I know that, I know that. Um, sorry. Uh, cool. Awesome. Um, that I need a clock. I need a clock. Uh, let's just think for a second who Jesus pressed on after. Romans 5 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You ever have any, had anybody hurt you? Just someone that, you are know, like, okay, I'd be okay not being around you again. Our, our natural instinct is not to move near to those people. And yet the Bible tells us that's who we are to Jesus. That, that in heaven, in Philippians 2, he knew, he knew, he knew, he saw and he knew us. He knew that we would betray him. He knew that we would hurt him. He knew that we would not live up to what we were supposed to live up to. And yet still, he willingly let go of heaven in order to come and to serve us, me. Me, the one who would betray him. He's like, okay, well, I know you're going to betray me, but I love you enough that I'm still going to move near to you. Like, who does that? except Jesus. And then, and then he's on the cross, and he has the chance at any point to end that, any point. And he's being beaten and ridiculed and, and, and mocked, and he's just being completely destroyed. And then he says, well, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And he chooses to stay. Like, he comes near when he knows what we're going to do, and then he endures the pain. He suffers from our, our betrayal and our sin. And then he says, you know what? I'm going to endure this still so that our sins could be forgiven and we could have life with God forever to the glory and praise of the God who saves us. That's why we, that's why we press on after him. Because he came after us first. And I'm just saying, if, if we're struggling to press on, it's because we're struggling to grasp the weight of the gospel that Jesus came to save me, a sinner. Not only a sinner, but an active opponent to him who had done nothing to clean myself up, I hadn't made myself right, and yet he comes for me? That's amazing. That's unbelievable. I pray that we would grasp the weight of our sin against God. I think a big problem is we just think we're pretty good people, and so we don't understand the magnitude of what Christ has done for us, but we're not good people. 
I love the end of Stephanie and I reading this book by Tim Keller on marriage. And he says that Jesus didn't come because we are lovely. Jesus came to make us lovely. Oh, man. It's not because we were lovely and attractive. He came to make us lovely and attractive. That's incredibly good news. So let's, let's end, end here um, just in some time of prayer and then song and Lord's Supper. Um, I apologize for... I don't know. Okay, cool. That's not the right time. <laughs> it's not 144. Oh, my God. Your love is unbelievable. Like, just unbelievable, God. Why would you love me? Like, why would you, why would you, why would you love me? Why would you love us? Sinners condemned unclean, and yet you came to make us clean. God, I'm, 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 I'm done for, for me, for us, for the church, for the, the church at large. I'm just, I'm tired of the religious actions and motions. Um, God, will you change our hearts by the truth of the gospel that while we were still sinners, God, you demonstrated your love by sending Jesus. And Jesus, in obedience, you came and you served and you suffered and you died for me. God, wreck us break us and rebuild us in love to follow after you and to press on with everything we have to make, make you our own because you're worth it. There's nothing else that measures up. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com. 